right, you bunch of yahoos. Strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. And welcome back to another episode of Toxic Masculinity. We're just a couple of crotchety old farts that have a bad habit of telling the truth and nothing but the truth. You know, we will offer up our political satire uh, opinions and we'll offend and defend anybody and everybody. And we won't let a few facts get in the way of, of a good old-fashioned story. We believe in America and Americans. If this is not for you, well, then I suggest that you change the channel now. We still believe in freedom of speech, and we'll rub your face into the cow pie of reality. Without further ado, my cohort in crime is none other, none other than the man of men, Don the Predator Fry. And I'm not sure if he's got his uh, sidekick uh, Quinn there with him there today. No, she's still home. I tell you what, she's uh, she's been missing in action for a while. And people are starting to ask about her. Well, and no, uh, I have to bring her. The thing is, like, I inherited Ken's dog, so I can leave her at home because they're together. You know, if uh, I left, I would have to bring them both. That'd be uh, quite the circus. <laughs> yes, there you go. So, anyway, and uh, this is Danny B. Severin, Don's trusty sidekick as well. So, and Don, please introduce today's guest. This is Chaplain Lieutenant Colonel Mike Martinez, you know, a buddy of mine for 20, 20 30 years. Approximately, yeah. Yeah, shit. About 93, right around 1993, right around there. Oh, been a while, huh? <laughs> like the young did, kids, did, it's been a minute. Did, did you say retired Lieutenant? Lieutenant Colonel. Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel. Wow, I mean, what? Okay, what? What branch? Uh, military? Okay, I was uh, part. I was uh, Air, Arizona Air National Guard, which is a reserve component of the Air Force. Our uniforms say Air United States Air Force, and I served uh, here in Tucson at the 162nd Fighter Wing, now known as the Wing, just the Wing, 162nd Wing, and I served 21 years there. Um, the majority of that was at active duty, full time, and uh, yeah. No, it's a well again. It's a military. I think that I actually think more and more young people really should go into military out of high school, literally mm -hmm. instead of going to college, because I mean most of them they're not mature enough in the first place. They don't have any uh, any real working experience whatsoever. They're uh, I'll say they spent way too much time on the old cell phone <laughs> and not enough time in the real world. And again, the the, the, the cell phone is nothing but that fantasy magical mythical world that you can somewhat say anything and everything but in the real world if sometimes if you say some things you might get your face smacked okay so yep. that's where and you know, might I, get arrested I, for it <laughs> yeah well again it all, all depends if you have pink or purple hair at the time you yeah. might you might be able to skate there right now that he didn't say my pronouns or my that's nouns true. correctly or something like that well, yeah. they, 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 i'm i'm uh non-bile what what, what yeah. that girl say you get arrested mm -hmm. uh, remember that down over there in albuquerque so she says i'm Non-bi, whatever the, the non-binary, yeah, non-binary. Um, I'm an indigenous person. Yeah, and you're a white. You're being a white man. Stop being a white man. <laughs> She's telling the cop, "You can't arrest me because you're white." No. Well, I have anxiety, well, social like anxiety. You've been, you've been around here for a while. I mean, you, yeah, you probably like you've been you've been here for uh, on this planet for for quite some time, and you see. You've seen a lot of changes take place here. So, what is your what is your take? Well, I mean, I'll just I'm gonna just hit you some random questions right now. What's your take on this uh, this new uh, 
woke era that we're that we're seeing come out. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's sometimes it's hard to make sense of, but I think um, uh, people that kind of push that, you know, I, I I've seen that, and uh, they seem to be of one type of mind frame, and if you don't fit into that, there's something wrong with you, and you get attacked. So. Right. Um, and not everyone thinks that way, you know, and, uh, everyone's, I think everyone's entitled to, you know, how they understand things or their opinions, et cetera, et cetera. But that to man, to demand that I have that opinion. And if not, you know, you get attacked, you get, uh, um, looked down upon, you get, um, ghosted, you get, you get um, fired, you get canceled, canceled, you know, so that, you know, and then, um, you know, so I don't think it's something positive at all. Um, telling people how they have to think or how what they how they have to vote or how they have to the things they need to be supporting, other else you know they make them a villain. You know, I, you know I don't think that has any to do with the founding of our country or the freedom that we all have. You know, so, right. yeah. So it's I don't think it's something positive at all. And of course, you know, you can disagree and be respectful. Even you can even disagree and be friends with people. I have friends that think opposite of I do. Right, right. Um, they're they're way way on the liberal spectrum, and I am not. And uh, you know, but I don't hate them, and we can get along. And then there's some others that I have lost because they have decided if I don't think like they do, then you know I'm bad or whatever they label want to call right. it. And you know, it's it's sad when that happens, but I can't do anything about it. You know. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got a buddy of mine for. 40 years you know and, uh he's he's a uh libtard and uh, <laughs> hell he got a, he got, we were on the phone i mean he yelled at me i don't want to argue about trump i never even mentioned trump you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no nah, we were good friends and yeah, yeah. It, 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 it does interfere but then again we can get over it too yeah it doesn't have to be that way but some people you know they just right. they you're if you don't believe that way they do then you're the well I don't know how else to say you're, it. The you're, devil. you're the devil. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? You can't, you just got to, you know, be good and be yourself. And, and, you know, if, if that's people's choice, then there's not a lot we can do about it. You know, right. just try to not let it to affect you, you know, or, or because they're mad, then you get mad too. And then you're doing the same thing from the other perspective, you know? So I don't think we have to be like that unless we decide that's what we want to do. Yeah. As you know, so. What drew you to the military? Okay, it's funny how I got... So I was at a parish in, in Midtown Tucson, and one of the parishioners that would do like the readings at, at Mass and would help with all kinds of other stuff came to me and said, hey, um, um, our chaplain's uh, going to be moving. Can you come give Mass for us at least once a month until we get someone signed up? So I did that for like three years, and after three years, he said... Uh, Hey, would you like to join? So then, you know, there's no lone rangers in our in our church. So I had to go through the bishop for permission. Yeah. And for a while, he for like a year or two, he wouldn't let me. And then finally, um, uh, said, "Hey, nobody wants this church. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you gotta yeah. do it." Yeah. So nobody, nobody. I mean, he, you know, he didn't want to release someone to do it, uh, if, because again, we can't go and do something like that without his permission, but. Um, he, he had three other priests before me who then wanted to go active duty instead of just reservist, right? Mm -hmm. So, and uh, so then, even though I eventually went active duty as well, but um, finally he let me. And then 21 years later, I retired from them. So I, 
Um, and uh, when we when I went active duty after four or five years was because here in Tucson, our unit had the F-16s. We still do. But we picked up a new mission, uh, the first very first border mission, which required a full time chaplain. So I, that's what in 2005 is when I went full time. But on top of that, um, we picked up the uh, the Predator mission, the MQ-1, then now the MQ-9, which are the, the drones, you know. So the way that works is uh, they're in theater, wherever that is in the world. Over there, they launch them, and then we fly them from Arizona and do the mission. And then when we get back to the base, wherever that base is in the, in the world, when it gets close, they land it over there. But we fly it and do the mission. So because that's also... Um, a combat mission, they have, anyone in combat has to have full-time chaplain. So another reason I stayed full-time to be the chaplain for those guys. So, um, but it's basically, I was asked, there was a need. I've always been patriotic and 21 years later, I, you know, I retired. So, yeah. Wow. I yeah. mean, that's uh, quite, quite a, quite a career right there. I mean, it's, uh, it, yeah. it's kind of ironic how it kind of all came together, but uh, it, yeah. it worked out for you. I think yeah. that's great. Yeah. I, I deployed, I deployed to different countries. Um, I passed through um, Egypt and Kuwait, uh, but I stayed in Saudi Arabia, deployed um, in a small country called Qatar or Qatar, depending. Qatar. Yeah. And then when I was there, I when there were wounded people, we'd do air medevac missions into Iraq. And so I, I'd been to Balad, uh, Baghdad, Talil, and Tikrit. Or whenever there's wounded, they would take, they would ask for volunteers for the chaplains to go. And I always went downrange. That was the only time I was in any danger. Um, I had to be fully armed up, you know, with the helmet and bulletproof vest and all that when we did those missions. But uh, other than that, I was always pretty in a safe, you know. So um, when, when you were, when you went to Egypt, I want to isolate that one for, for yeah. a second there because that's, that's one of those countries I like to go to, but it's only because I like to see, uh, I like history. Uh -huh. And so when you think of Egypt, I, you think of the sphinxes, you think of the, the great pyramids, things of that nature. Did, did you did you ever get a chance to go out there and see any of those on any free time or? No, no, we didn't. Every time I went to Egypt, we were passing through. So we're getting supplies and then going somewhere else. So, okay, gotcha. yeah, once you once you're deployed somewhere like in the Middle East, you have your main base. But a lot of times, depending on your particular job, um, uh, you would go downrange other places. So. Yeah. And Dan wants to go to Egypt and take his shoes off and walk barefoot in, the, in all the gold. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that would be nice. But, uh, you know, I still, again, uh, historically speaking, I yeah. would like to see, you know, the Great Pyramids and the yeah. Sphinx. Because, I mean, those are... In the old playground? This, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, no, I just... They're, they're just such... Yeah. I, I don't want to call yeah. them an oddity. It's like, but people still scratch their heads to this day yeah. as to how did they come to be? Sure. Where are these rock quarries? that they got all these stones from and how far away and how, how were they able to uh, move, move these them, huge exactly. blocks of yeah. rock, you know, these saw, great distances. Yeah. I only saw those places from the air. I never, I wasn't on the ground with them, but uh, one, one night we flew into Balad about three in the morning and uh, one of the crew chiefs on, on the C-130, I mean, it's pitch black, you, you know, and he goes, Hey father, look over there. Okay, I just is black, right? I don't know. I can't see anything. <laughs> and then he goes, if it was during the day, you would see some structure about 10 miles away. You could see a structure. That's a monument where Abraham was born. Mm. So I, I wish I could have seen it. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't able to. But so I know what you're talking about there, Dan. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, to, uh, but I only saw those kind of things from the air. I never was on the ground to see those. So. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's yeah. well, you know, Don travels a great deal, and that's why I, I still travel a great deal just doing seminars and speaking engagements, stuff like that. But it's usually yeah. as I travel, I'm always looking to try to take in something of either historic uh value or you know, um nature's beauty, you know, like oh, so yeah. seeing stuff like Niagara Falls, seeing the falls, and it's uh yeah. there's the American side of seeing it, and there's the, the Canadian side of seeing it and Viewing it from the Canadian side is a, a lot more beautiful. The mm -hmm. the the falls are just a, just more more magical to, to see from from that from that perspective. You know, so again, that's where I, that's one of the aspects I like about travel. Oh yeah. yeah, You wanted to be a policeman or a stuntman when you were oh, a kid. I did. Right when Why? I was I was little. Well, I remember just from you know from an early age. I had a, a lot of my relatives were in the military. Right. And uh, on, on both sides of the family, I mean, all these people serve and that type of thing. And, and um, a lot of my heroes growing up, you know, of course, were like athletes or, or people on TV. And, of course, I see John Wayne, my friend behind yeah. me, you know, big. I'm a big John Wayne fan since I was a little kid. And uh, and then, you know, law enforcement, stuff, things like that. So I when I was little, for I would say when I was five or six years old up into high school, um, I was thinking, well, I think I might want to be a, a police officer, you know. And then also I had a, a dirt bike and uh, all growing up since I was in sixth grade on it, you know, I got a bigger bike each time from yeah. my, my dad gave me and, and, uh, and I would do crazy things like you jump over my brothers on the motorcycle and all these things. And, and I wasn't afraid of doing that kind of stuff. So then, well, yeah, I mean, you yeah. want to get run over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> run, yeah. So I wasn't, well, I was afraid of some things, but not of that. I'm a little bit afraid of heights, but it's other than that, you know, I'm, I'm okay. And so I was thinking about being a stuntman for, you know, uh, up until the summer after my junior year of high school. And then that's when I started thinking about the priesthood. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what I mean, but what, what intrigued you about, okay, the priesthood? I mean, because again, you, you said after your junior year, I'm yeah. thinking that's because that's well, kind of interesting. You're still in high school. So sure. you're, you're a young buck at that point in time. Yeah. So, yeah, well, the, 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 the long story short on that was basically, um, um, they had a program that, you know, I was small town, born in Safford, Arizona, and we were there till sixth grade. And then we moved to a smaller town about 45 minutes northeast of there's uh, Morency, Arizona, right? Yeah. A small, real small town. And uh, so they had a program there uh, uh, for the religious ed for the church and a youth group and all that. And they had a big mass for your graduation, but you had to be in religious ed to partake in all those celebrations, right? And at that point, I wasn't in any, you know, I, I received all my blessings and sacraments at a much younger age. So I didn't have to go to religious ed because I had everything you need, you know, uh, and and uh, there, uh, anyway. So um, one of my friends said, are you going to participate in the baccalaureate program at the end of this, our senior year? And this was that summer of the junior year when he asked me and I go, well, what's that about? And he told me in a small town. I didn't want to miss that. All my friends are there. I want to be part of it. Uh -huh. So I started going to youth group. And when I started doing that, then I started realizing, hey, I know in my mind as a concept and idea, this idea of God, but then doing that and then, you know, praying and, and developing it more on the personal side, then I didn't just have the book knowledge and the concept and the idea of God, but the experiential part, yeah. you know? And then I says, well, if, you know, he's real, uh, I got to do his will. So what is his will? Trying to, to uh, determine and discern. I didn't use that word discern, but 
Now I do. I discern what is his will. And through that, I thought uh, it was a gradual thing. And even when I was going to the seminary college and in the graduate school, I was still discerning. But I was getting closer and closer, you know, percentage-wise to say, yeah, I think this is what I'm supposed to do, right? So um, that's basically how, how that happened in, in a make it a short story, yeah. So, and then, and then there were some things that happened that kind of pushed me too. that I said, Hey man, I think, you know, like sort of signs, so to speak, or things that would happen that kind of let nudge me along the way. So, so I says, well, if, if there's a will for me, I got to figure out what it is and do it. And so that was the process. So it wasn't like a decision and then, okay, it's hundred percent. I'm going to go do it. It was, I think this might be it. Let me go find out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think when when you're young, a lot of it is simply just exploration, or or like well, like going on buy, buying a car, some or a car or a truck or something like that. You got to kick the tires, check underneath the hood. You just don't know if you really want that car, that truck. Just sure. like you don't know if you want that career until yeah. you investigate it just a little bit more. Yeah, how'd you like that analogy there, Mister Fry? Dang, oh, <laughs> <laughs> big words. Ugh. I just, I just thought that uh, I thought Mister John Wayne would be might give me a thumbs up there, like, oh yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny that that you say that you're, uh, you know, you're, that you're a John Wayne fan. I know oh, John yeah. is, and and I, I don't think there's a single John Wayne movie that I have never seen. You know yeah. that, uh, so it, it it's a uh, yeah. We all fall in that same type sure. of category right there for sure. good old fashioned westerns, shoot 'em ups. Yep. But Dan, Dan, and John used to ride horses together oh. you know, back in uh, grade school. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they ruined. That's how they got to school. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 down there, uh, that down. He's a rascal, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> So how many motorcycles have you had? Um, I okay. My very first motorcycle, fifth or sixth grade, I had a QA50 Honda. Yeah. And you know, now I don't think I, you know, the tires are about this big. It's little yeah, anything. Yeah. And that's how I learned. And then we, then I had a, a Honda 75 off-road, a bike. And then, then my mom had a hundred. I used to ride that one. It's kind of a uh, on-road and off-road. Yeah. And then my dad had a 250. Then I rode that. And then I had my own 125. It was a dirt bike. You know. I jump over stuff and do all kinds of crazy things. And, and then nothing until my first assignment as a priest from 89 to 93 on the East side of town at a parish there. And I had a Honda shadow. It looks like a fat boy Harley. It was really, yeah. yeah back in then. Yeah. It, it was uh, you know what those are Dan? Yeah. And so it, it was candy apple red for the, 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 the fenders in the tank. And then the rest was Chrome. It beautiful. I mean, I'd go to, you know, be stopped at a light and people start talking to me. It was really yeah. light, nice looking. And then I, after a while, I didn't write it that much because I was so busy in my assignments. So I sold it. And then now I have a, a night, a 2019, I bought it last year, but it was never uh, uh, sold. It had like 300 miles on it from test driving, but no one ever bought it. And I bought that in Sierra Vista. It was a, a Honda Fury. It looks like a chopper. I don't know yeah. if you've seen those. Yeah. I'll show you a picture later, but yeah. And, uh, and the Honda Fury, that's one I have now. Street bike. Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up at uh old yamaha trials 80 oh, you yeah. know yeah. those things they, they go fast but they climb they a wall climb. those things you know, they climb. yeah and rocks then, and everything yeah. <laughs> yeah. they don't do too good when you when you hit a telephone pole at no. them oh, yeah. no no not at all they don't, don't hold up very good no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well okay what, what drew you to motorcycles in the first place here right now i mean well, you said how young were you when you had your first uh, one in fifth grade fifth grade okay yeah, fourth fourth or fifth grade yeah 
Um, yeah, might be young. Had, yeah, my dad had them, and and uh, for Christmas one time we wake up and under the tree there's there it was. So um, and he know we we liked them so. My dad rode motorcycles, uh, uh, off-road and on-road. And so, you know, he just, we, you know, he, he, uh, we were raised that way. You know, he, he raised us with small, you know, rural Arizona. We did stuff like that. Um, since I was old enough to keep up hunting and fishing, same thing, uh, um, doing all those things and, and, and enjoying it. And I still do all the things today. I still do all those things. Yeah. Well, what you I mean, was you, okay. At, at that time growing up there, was, was your dad a pretty good like mechanic and stuff like that? So that you didn't have to take things anywhere. He um, was basically, he tinkered, he knew, he knew, he knew enough about tinkering and spark electricity and gasoline to, to make things run. Yeah. He, he did most everything, the work on it. And then when it was something big or he didn't know, you know, we'd take it to the shop, but you know, they didn't break down that much. We just changed the oil, do the regular maintenance and they last a long time, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, what what's your favorite animal to hunt? Oh, my favorite. Oh gosh, it's hard to say. Um, I would say as far I categorize that in many ways. Yeah. What tastes best to me? Right. I, I love elk meat, yeah. and uh, and then it's again like with anything else is it's just Tony knows it's how you prepare it. You yeah. cut off a piece and throw it in the frying pan. It's not going to taste very good, but if you we you know we marinate it, we do all these things. Sometimes my grandfather grandfather used to have an underground barbecue pit. Oh yeah. Slow cooker for eight hours. It come out. You can cut it with a spoon. It was so tender, right? Yeah. So it's how you prepare it. But as far as taste, I love elk meat, deer as well. And um, so but I what I love to hunt is either elk and or the the coos whitetails. Yeah. Uh, and those are really good as well. Yeah. Well, I'm like, you Tony had that picture of a big giant hog. Oh yeah, that that's okay. Interesting. That was a Russian boar that that uh we I took my dad. It was one Christmas and I, and I, and I, uh, a gun that we share and I always buy things that we both like because yeah. I know I'm going to get them back later. Anyway. <laughs> so, so I tell my dad, cause he, now he, he asked me, why did you buy me a 4570? It's a Buffalo. Yeah. It's a big, you know, round. And I says, because I like it, dad. And then he laughed. And then, so then it was a Christmas and I had a brochure for a wild boar hunting trip in March coming up. Where at? It was in Upper Michigan, in up in uh, near near Marquette, like outside of Marquette, a little town called. Okay, uh, so yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, what they refer to as the UP, Upper Peninsula. The UP, yeah. yeah, it was a little town outside of Marquette, not very far, called Nagani. Yeah, we went up there and hunted uh, a Russian boar, and so I bought that because they suggested large cowboy. You want to put those things down. Right. We had to sign waivers. Don't make them mad. Yeah. yeah, you want to sign wait We had to sign waivers to hunt them in case you get injured. You won't sue them. Um, because they will charge you and yeah. there's, there's video of them charging people yeah. and stuff. And, <laughs> and if you've ever seen a bite from a javelina or a wild boar, it's not a bite like a dog bite. What they have those tusks. So what they do is they stab you with the tusk and then they rip. So you'll see a whole yeah, yeah. and then you'll see a rip. Right. And they're, they're right around your femoral artery in the leg. So, you know, you could bleed out, you know, right. it could get you. So they suggest whether it's handgun or it's, uh, 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 rifles, they suggest that you um, uh, have a large caliber. You want to put them down right away. So that's why I got that. So we had a guide. And then, um, so when my dad was hunting, he had the 4570 and I had a 454 Kasul that we owned. Right. And then the guide had a 450 Kasul pistol as well. So we carried those. We didn't have to use them. And then when I hunted, I used the rifle and, and my dad used the, um, the 454 as a backup. And uh, it was beautiful. But that meat was so tender that and so good that even the breast sausage we had made 
I use the sausage for bacon or, uh, or the grease from sausage or bacon for the eggs. There was no grease. That's how lean it was. Delicious. That was very good. Yeah, they're oh. good. They're good. It's yeah. very good. We used to go yeah. uh, Calversum, go on up uh, Northern California, Northern, throughout yes. Williams up there. Yeah, I got some good ones. There. They're big. They're huge. Yeah. They're huge. Yeah. Well, your dad's yeah, you're, you're, you're yours. How'd you yeah. feel about that? Well, yeah, he, um, and I would tease him about, about his was bigger because he, and he got to go first. So, yeah. you know, so we're backing him up as he did it. And somewhere at home, we, we videotape the actual last five minutes of those. So yeah. what did they weigh? Uh, my dad's, mine was 220 plus, and my dad's was bigger, maybe 270, maybe even three. I'm not sure. Yeah, it looks like a 300 but, pound. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But wow. my it's funny, but the one my dad got, mostly when you had an animal and they're uphill, they'll run downhill because it's easier, or that's the escape route. And But his ran uphill right on the road. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it was easy access. Mine went in all the stick stuff and whatever, and it was a pain to get them out of there. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but it was fun. But that that was very that was very good. And uh, we brought all the meat home with us on the on the airplane. Put it in an in, in ice mm -hmm. in, in a in a, uh, a freezer. Uh, what do you call it? Ice chest. Then taped it up and chucked it like luggage. Yeah. Right back. Yeah. Yeah, I say a lot of the uh, southern states, they're uh, they're being overrun with uh, hogs oh. and or you know wild wild boars there as well as well. So it's uh, you know, I grew up on a, grew up on a farm, and so you name the animal, we raise them, including uh, ha having pigs mm -hmm. and having you know, each spring there would be a new litter. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, you know come uh, and then there's a certain time that you start taking all those piglets out and you you got to fix you got to fix yeah. all the uh, all, all the all the boars to make to make them into non-boars. Yes. And uh, all I know is that that is a very chaotic time <laughs> where I'd have to have a couple of my brothers there standing with two by fours because those sows, I mean, literally, they after a while they start growing tusk. Mm -hmm. And when you when you snag one of their little piglets out out my yeah. legs and, and you're out there and you're castrating them stuff like that, uh, they are just they're squill up a storm and those those sows are trying to come up over those pins and and you're putting them down i mean literally you're smacking with the two by four probably as hard as you possibly can it'll knock them down but they'll come right back at you yeah. almost twice as mean at that point yeah that's 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 the thing about them they might have three or four litters in a year's time frame and even when they're six months to years old they'll already start breeding so yeah. you got if, if you have them that you manage you have to do that and then imagine all the wild ones that you know, I read something recently in one of my hunting magazines or or Guns and Ammo or one of those magazines I have uh, that the billion dollars of damage they do across the nation. Yeah. Crops. Yeah. yeah, for crops and land and all those things. And yeah, so, you There's, know. There, there actually are, are a lot of farmers that uh, they want hunters to come on their property to, to take out the wild boar because of the devastation to their crops. Yes. So. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of those will let you just hunt them for free. Yeah, or just play the ammo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Go for it, boy. <laughs> well, you got you got to tell me there. Okay, Father Mike, how did you meet this crusty old fart across okay. from me there? Okay, that, that's that's what I like to kind of know. I just <laughs> how, how what kind of an unfortunate day did you have going for you well, that you met this guy? <laughs> well, yeah, miracle. Yeah. Sometime in 1993, I was stationed at a, a parish on the northwest side of town, and uh, I was at the gym working out, 
and I ran into him and I did a double take because I go, I know him. What? And then it hit me. Then I someone said, Don, you know, he was with some people. They were they're working out, doing the weightlifting part of the training. That's Don. And then so the first time I saw him, I didn't say nothing because I didn't want to be that guy, you know, and I don't know how much he gets bothered, you know, and, yeah. you know, I don't be the, what do you call it, fanboy? I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to come off that like way. Tony, yeah, Tony. yeah like, like my cousin Tony, yeah. yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so the second time I saw, and I told my parents, hey, guess who I saw? And I told them, my mom loves you. Oh, yeah. Oh, like she, yeah. And I, and I says, hey, Don, my mom loves you. I didn't say I liked him. You know, I, he's one of my favorite fighters as well. I didn't get to say that, you know, I don't want to again, be that guy, but, and, and he goes, Oh, she want a picture. And I go, yeah. And he goes, okay, I'll get one. And next time I saw you had a, it was a black and white. Yeah. And you had that Don look like <laughs> if, the, the, the look that it, people are going to turn away from. Cause the way you're, you know, you're, yeah. you mean, <laughs> you, you mean business if you're really looking at someone that way and you're, I think you're standing with the pose or whatever. And you signed it, and I took it to her, and she was in heaven, right? And then ever since then, every time I saw him, hey, how are you doing? And then we started talking. And then he was getting ready to fight Ken Shamrock, I think, yeah. the, the first time. And I knew that was coming up, and I brought something from from uh, my office. It was a little uh, a card of St. Michael the Archangel and that prayer on the back, and it has it with the sword and all that. And, hey, man, this, you know, here's a prayer for you for your fight coming up. And then... You know, and he blessed me like the, the priest in Rocky. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So give him a little blessing, and and I gave him that. And but 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 I, my, the most memorable part for me, you know, was that the look in your eye when I did it. Yeah. Because you know, I see you're always nice and stuff like that. It wasn't that, but it's a look I had never seen before. Oh yeah. And it was. Uh, how do I describe it? Um, I can't fully describe it to what to give it due honor, but it was appreciation. It was humility. And like a genuineness type thing. And, and so that's what I remember. And that, that meant a lot to me, you know, to, yeah. to do that. And I said, and then I go, he, he really appreciates this. And that, you know, that made my day. That was, that was good. And then, uh, and then you won that fight. Which was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause they don't have to hide. if you yeah, didn't, Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You should have blessed my ankles. You've yeah, got I that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. Yeah. And then another and, thing. And then, he only gave me the half, the half the blessing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and then and then you know I was, and this is my joke, but I was slightly disappointed because in Rocky, when he blessed, when he gets the blessing, he he turns to someone and says, "I love when he does that." You didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah. No, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, and then after that, it turns out we have a mutual friend who owned a, used to own a coffee shop. Uh, Sam. Sam. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where I met Rocco, the guy yeah. that would help him with the boxing. Yeah, Rocky Ciotoli. And so I was friends. With, I was friends with him. And then, so he would kind of update me, how Don doing? He, the injury, he's doing okay. He's doing it. And I would say, hey, tell Don I said hi. So we kind of stayed in contact that way through Rocco. And uh, so, yeah, so that was my connection, man, you know. And it's better, you know, and the other thing, too, is when when Don was going through all his operations and all that thing, yeah. Know, yeah. I heard about it, but I didn't know how bad it was until I saw him do an interview after the fact. I forget, don't quote, it was either that, uh, 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 Vlad TV. Vlad TV, I think. Yeah. And then you told him some of the more details, and I go, man, I didn't know it was that bad. But Rocco did tell me, hey, man, he's in a bad way. Just pray for him. But I didn't know any details, right? Until you said it, right? <laughs> and then you know, because of right of respect, I didn't want to start asking him all these questions, you know, right. anything. So I just okay. Well, well, I mean, just yeah, a lot. It's like you're saying the problem, Mike. I mean, a lot of people just didn't, didn't realize what all the stuff that Don was going no. through. I mean, Don was keeping yeah. it. Yeah, it was kind of a part of his private life right yeah. there. And, and uh it was uh i mean if there if there was like a 
if there's like if there was a frequent flyer program for backs, I mean, Don would be flying all over the place because he's had <laughs> yeah. lots of operations yeah. and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I would find about about some of you know after the fact or something like yeah. that as well. Yeah. There's a couple times that I knew what, where he was at. That was close by. I went went over to, to visit him a, a few times yeah. right there because I mean, it, you know, once you're in a, it's there's nothing fun about sitting in, in a hospital bedroom. There's no. nothing there because most of the time you're just you're looking for anything to preoccupy your mm-hmm. mind, and uh, you know, other than the, seeing you know a nurse or something like that every now and then that comes in you give you some some medicine or some food or something like that that's yeah you don't have much interaction with that's people it. so and then then on top of it you know the severity and the pain of all that stuff i mean i i didn't realize all those things and then so that interview and then i saw on you know tony was telling me about it i saw the vlad one first but then i saw an older clip of uh your friend the bodybuilder guy ken's uh, ken Agusuda. him yeah and he mentioned some of the others and you're talking to him and then, oh my gosh, you know. So I'm glad Rocco told me, and I said prayers and things like that, you know. For it, for well, you did that, yeah. <laughs> you know, because that that was some. I mean, that was, you know, yeah, you, a bad you, run, yeah, the bad run. You could have died on some of that stuff. Yeah, that was, that was bad. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So you know, I you know, and I've always done that. And on occasion, I think I had your number from Rocco in the past too, and I'd send you a little note, hey. Uh, Merry Christmas or Happy Easter. Hope you're doing okay. Every once in a while, and <laughs> and and you know. Just uh, again, not to be the fanboy. I don't want to right. do that, but but out of respect and all that. And I've I've been a fan of UFC. The first I saw was Pride back in the day. It says, well, how come the priest is watching this as violent? I don't watch it for that. To me, it's a chess match. Yeah. And I'm watching what you guys do and how you counter things and what works. And you can see the bad matchup stylistic wise. Right. Uh, the, and then you see the ones that, oh, this is a good one, you know, because of. And so I'm I look at it that way. I know the injuries happen and you know blood and guts type thing, but. You know, that's not what intrigues me is I let you again the chess match. The, yeah, no, no, that's how you do that. And then the crazy things you see, like uh, the one guy, the Mighty Mouse guy, what him? Yeah, when when he he jumped in the air and did a move and got a lock of some type, and then of course the weight pulled the guy down and he had the lock and he it was over. Yeah, who does that? Like, who you know, that kind of stuff, or. One of my favorites, uh, Justin Gaethje, too. Yeah. By the way, I went to school with his parents. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they were a year or two behind me. In a school of 500 kids, every, you know everybody. You know everybody, yeah. Yeah, so I see, the, I see them and all this, and I see Justin once in a while, too. But anyway, when he did this one move, the, the round's almost over, and he's standing there facing, and he does a flip standing up, and as he flips over, he kicks the guy right in the face. Yeah. And then, boom, and then, but it was the round was over right when that happened. Who does that? Right? <laughs> right. Who does that? Yeah. You, know, you, you, get, you get one chance. <laughs> yeah. So so I grew up and of course, like you know, watching Don, I go, oh man, this guy's good, <laughs> tough. Watching you, Dan, and your wrestling background and like uh, what I call some just manhandling people sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, this guy, the wrestling, I think if I was to do this, I'd want to learn that kind of stuff first because these guys are kicking everyone's tail, you know, yeah. they're, they're doing, and, uh, and then I love, I like boss root and watching him you yeah, know, he's and guys he's like great. that. And I'm going to leave people out because I don't remember. So I apologize. I'm not, you know, but like that. And, uh, I love GSP. Um, uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, Justin Gaethje, yeah. I, I, I know a the guy, the brothers. So, yo, they're always fun to watch. Those guys, yeah. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. And then uh, another guy that I used to like the way his style. I know a guy who in town, I don't know if he ever went, I don't think he went professional because he's he's actually in law enforcement, but he was about 
uh, Cowboy Cerrone's size yeah. and similar style. And in some sometimes, you know, whether it's a real fight or uh, on the street or whatever, someone who has those just nonstop, relentless striking moves, people don't want nothing to do. No, with no, no. And and uh, and and for Rocco was telling me in in the practice and in the gym that this 170 pounder, 60 pounder, would whip people at over 200 because they don't. He's just one of those relentless guys, you know. Mm. So, and again, watching how you counter that, I enjoyed watching, you know, those types of yeah, things. Nice. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. Well, Dan would just hold people down and bit, <laughs> bit slap them. You know, so. yeah. yeah, but I mean, but those, res, I mean, the strength. You know, oh, that's phenomenal. Strength. Yeah. That's, that's grizzly. You know, yeah. Just a grizzly. Yeah, as I say to Father Mike, I mean, I, I, I literally, I was only a one-trick pony. I, I was mm. just the wrestler. I didn't... Yeah. Uh, really take no time out to learn anything about the boxing or actually the submission yeah. arts. I typically know that yeah. amateur wrestling moves incorporate the principles of leverage because in, in amateur wrestling, uh, folks are amateur wrestling. What we do here in the United States, the whole object is to put your opponent back on their back and then to pin them, you know, sure. hold them yeah. down for those those couple seconds and get, yeah. get the pinball call. Well, typically that's usually at uh, using principles of leverage. Another word for leverage is you're putting them in legalized pain. What uh, yeah. what moves and holds that they allow you to do with these cross faces and head levers and chicken wings and things of that nature. So yeah. I simply do that. Well, I could slap I could slap on the same moves, but I don't have to exactly do them legally now. I could do them illegally, <laughs> knowing that they hurt. They hurt when they're yeah. legal. I'll make it hurt just a little bit more, turning it illegal. So yeah. and and I so I know that's so true. I remember in high school, um, I didn't wrestle. I just played football, basketball, and I did weightlifting. And there were some guys that um, one was around my size, but one was a lot bigger. In fact, uh, Justin Gaethje's dad, and they were they wrestled right. His dad wrestled too. And I remember one of my friends, my age and about my size in the weight room, I'd, I'd kill him in the weight room. Not that we competed, but, you know, I could look yeah. way more than him and all the, the basic uh, lifts. But uh, he was a wrestler. And when he grabbed a hold of me, I could not get away. And it hurt. It made you believe in God, huh? Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> it did. And the and, and same with uh, with uh, with Justin's dad. Well, he, I, he, he, and he tried to get me to come out to wrestling, but it just wasn't my thing. You know, I, I didn't. Uh, but uh, he also, I go, well, show me some stuff, you know, and he says, okay, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to, you know, sometimes you're, you're at the beginning when you're just kind of, right. I call hand it hand fighting. Hand yeah. fighting yeah. He grabbed a hold of me and I could not get out of that just with one hand and I me with all my whole body trying to hear right. everything good. And it hurt like the, you know, and I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, I re great respect, great respect for the, for the wrestling. And I know Don, you did judo as well. Yeah. And a lot of those, those, those moves and the leverage and all that too. Um, you don't realize how strong those. The, All right. Yeah, yeah. So again, I, a lot of respect for that. You know. Well, like a late great judo Gene LaBelle. You know, his yeah. thing is every time you touch somebody, you hurt them. Oh yeah. You know, just grab yeah. hold, you grab hold of them. You know, you hurt them. Whether it's the neck, the hand, the arm. You know, yeah. you make sure they know you were yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. That's why you know it's not for everyone. I've never been an aggressive type person like that. And you know, as a kid and growing up, whenever I got in a fight or something like that. It was always the last straw, and uh, and I, I would be incredibly mad, and or else I couldn't do it. You know, mm -hmm. I couldn't do it, and uh, so I, that's just been my nature. You know, I just can't uh, unless I. And then who wants to be that mad? You know, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't so I know other guys can go do those kind of things, and then but there's no anger. That's just the you know the sport or whatever. But I can't do that kind of. And 
unless I'm just okay. I have a very long, long fuse right. and to get to the end of that. And if I, I, you know, so that was never me, but I appreciate it as a sport. And again, I look at it as a chess match, a chess yeah, match, no. watching the, the counter. I, and, yeah. I said all the time that, that the competition, it's nothing more than a chess match mm-hmm. where checkmate hurts. That's all. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the, the difference. You know? Yep. Yep. But there is, there's a great deal of strategy that comes sure. with it, especially since the sport has evolved so much, you've got, sure. you know, you might come from one particular discipline now, but you, in order to compete, you have to be well-rounded. So if, if, if I, if you come from a wrestling background, you still need to know how to strike because the match starts on your feet to at least get into where you get your, your clinches and things of that nature. Then you don't, you need to know that something about the submission game. So sure. you know, a lot of people try to say this discipline you know, is better than that discipline. And, but the reality is, I think uh, recently uh, there was a a chart posted and it showed that most of the current champions come from the original sport of amateur wrestling. Yes. But they still had to learn additional things of, you know, submission skills, just like you do in judo, jujitsu and that. But then they also had to learn some striking arts. Boxing, uh, you know, people say it's it's always boxing. but no boxing or Muay Thai or, you know, because uh, boxing only uses your hands. Then you got Muay Thai uses elbows, knees. And uh, so there's uh, just different parts of, uh, you know, kickboxing that that you can incorporate into it. To, you see matches that are won by incredible nice kicks. Dance. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to ask you guys about too. I I never understood this because uh, I remember in 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 a uh, junior high we would do different sports and do different things in physical education class, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one time we 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 did wrestling and uh, I accidentally hit someone with my knee. And it hurts so bad. And you see these Muay Thai guys, all these knees and kicks. I go, it hurts so bad. I don't. <laughs> how do you do that? It, it hurts. It hurts you to do that. It's like a gallus. You just throw up a gallus. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, the Muay Thai. Yeah, that's that's nasty. And then there's there's some fights that are just Muay Thai matches. Right. Those, and I don't know how those guys keep going. Not only, but but also on, on that the bad part, you'll see a guy that throws a wicked shin kick or something like that, and then breaks their leg in the process yeah. they, they, they other, you know, the other the opponent does a does a shin check yeah. and wow you just also yeah. you see the ankle foot just flop around and yeah. like going oh my god that just yeah. kind of gross just to watch that yeah oh. the, yeah the and and you guys both being involved in that um uh the pain level i mean you can't unless something's broken i don't see you guys squinting and making all these faces and stuff but then they say yeah two weeks later you're still hurting after yeah. after, yeah. after the fight you know and and how did you guys handle that? I mean, that that you just built the tolerance, or because I don't know if my job entailed that. I don't know if I could do that. You know, well, after all that wrestling, man. I mean, wrestling's like being a street fight for two and a half hours every day of your life. You know, and after doing that, you pretty much do anything. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of times that after, if I went to like a, a match in Japan or something like that, I've been kicked so many times in the legs that. And, and and by the you know usually by the next day or two you got to jump on an airplane. I was worried about blood clots and stuff like that. To where it's like going okay, I, I I would take I would take an aspirin. I always travel with 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 uh, like a baby aspirin something like that just so that I know that I'm getting on there. It'll help thin out the blood so that uh, if something like that happened, it, it it should help prevent it from happening. So yeah. I I just did certain things from you know, just out of precaution. Yeah. Uh, playing a man. Yeah, you know, um, ever, so I don't, 
my 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 dad uh, played bass and guitar. Yeah. Growing up, he was in bands, and uh, my mom also played the drums. No, yeah. From from tw- nineteen years old to twenty two, she was in an all girl uh, rock band, and they toured uh, the Southwest. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I always had music and and uh, in, in my family, and I always liked it. And then I didn't really pick up an instrument until I was seventeen years old myself. Yeah. And I learned guitar a little bit, and then after, uh, and then I ended up always playing bass lines on the guitar. So then I tried the bass and then that's what I play. So, um, uh, I, I played on a CD, uh, see, and, and, and the music I like is I call it a show off music because it inquire, it requires it's, it's, it's the, the genre is called, uh, jazz fusion. So it's a combination of the sound of rock or funk with the jazz musicianship. Right, so right. it's complicated uh, to play. Not everyone can play it. It's kind of, but you know it has those rock grooves or the funky grooves, but it's complicated orchestration, and a lot of guys just can't play it because of uh, it's, it's difficult, right? It's difficult. Right. To play. So I liked it and I enjoyed playing that. So that's the kind of music that I played. It's it's most inst- and it's not limited to this genre because they're within the the genre. There's different you know types, but like guys like Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, that kind of stuff. I don't know if you've heard of those guys. It's the no, other- I'm actually wondering. Okay, is that because you're, you're instead of just strumming all of the uh, strings, is it because you're you're picking all of the individual strings? Is that is that how it differs or? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's more complicated. For example. Um, uh, the the chords are not your basic chords. They're more complicated chords. The rhythms, the the timing. People just hear one, two, three, four. Most songs are kind of that beat. This is like in seven, eight, and sixteen, five, and all these weird, weird uh, 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 time signatures. So it's more complicated. Your amplifier goes up to eleven, right? Yeah, it goes, of course it does. Yeah, it goes to eleven. Yeah, but it's just more complicated music, uh, and it requires a certain for lack of a better term, virtuosity to be able to play it. You know, it's, it's not just basic stuff. It's, um, and, uh, the complicated rhythms and structures, et cetera, just like you get a guy who plays guitar, ask him to play with an orchestra and this complicated, very fast, rapid music, be able to read that music and to play it at that speed. And that comp, it's just more complicated. So, and I really, really like it because it has to do more with musicianship than anything yeah. else, you know? So I've been playing like that, uh, for a long time. And was there was there any any point in time that you got a chance to play with your father and mother as well? I mean, no, no, I never got it. We never got to play together with them. But um, but with just other musicians in town, and you know, I went to uh, graduate school in, in California, so I got to lead, meet a lot of musicians there. They don't know me. It just I just met them. I got right. to meet them when they played. And there's a lot of very popular musicians who um. 
their gig, their money gig is that, you know, band, like I met a lot of the guys in the group Toto, mm -hmm. uh, the, Africa, Hold the Line, Rosanna, those songs, right? right? All those guys play on these, all these al albums and whatever you see them in concert, it's really good and entertaining. They can play way better and above that in that fusion, jazz fusion that I play circle and they play in that. Um, a lot of people don't know, you know, half the band played on Michael Jackson's Thriller album and Quince Quincy Jones, the producer, called them in and says, here's the basic song. Well, they actually re rearranged everything and did it how you hear it on the album, right? right? And that's what they were paid to do. So I got to meet like the guitarist, Steve Lukather, uh, the drummer who died, Jeff Percaro, David Page, all these guys. And then you look, this guy played on 3000 albums. Wow. From Barbra Streisand to the fusion stuff I like, to rock bands, to the tubes, to Paul McCartney, all because they can go and they would hear a basic song and they would make it their own thing uh, and add to it and basically arrange it, you know. So I got to meet a lot of those guys. And that was really a, a, a eye opening thing. And there's so many that I met, you know, so many yeah. that I met that do that. And but these guys can play the stuff that I play. And they play way better than me too, by the way. And uh, plus, the, their money gigs like playing for Toto, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So, it, uh, so it's it's good that I was able to meet a lot of these musicians and uh, who are like your musical heroes, right? Because how good yeah. they are. Yeah. Yeah, I met on an airplane met Mark Stone from uh, Queen Train. All right. Yeah. 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 Pretty good guy. Yeah, we sit yeah. there, talked the whole time. You know? yeah. yeah. Was that just an accidental, uh, you know, seating assignment there? Yeah. Down? Yeah. You just, okay. just sat down next to him. Yeah. Just started, yeah. Started yeah. chewing away. Wow. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, you know, jumping on airplanes, I mean, half the time you just you try to be polite just to simply say hello to the person that are next to you and you, you, you try to chime in a little bit of, you know, idle conversation just to find out, you know, what, what their background is or something like that. So, no, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I've enjoyed it. You know, I still play, I still try to keep my chops up, you know, my abilities and uh, I still listen to a lot of music and uh, you know, when I'm free, one of the things I'll go on YouTube and just watch a bunch of concert footage or a bunch of musicians and stuff like that, you know, so I still enjoy it. Yeah. Do you, do you take your, uh, use your bass, bass drum when you, when you exercise people? Um, no, no, I don't. I don't. No, I don't no. You're the hell out of them. I might scare them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. How did you get into that? Well, um, so, um, I was asked if I'd be willing to, but the reason I was asked is, uh, um, for like 30 years, a lot of times I'd get a call where people are experiencing, you know, weird stuff at their house and, and they would call me and I, I'd be the one that always said, yes, I'd go. So yeah. word spreads. And then, uh, the official uh, uh, guy that we have here in our church, um, I'd call him for advice, you know. So then when it came time to have more people that we need to do that type of uh, exorcism ministry, um, they, uh, you know, I, I was asked if I would help with that. So I did the training and I, I just finished the training. So, but in my previous. How long does it take? Um, well, there's, uh, it was a whole year, but. And, and break break it up. It's not every day, obviously. So there was uh, four 10-day sessions for that. Yeah. I traveled to a place uh, outside of Chicago for that. And there was, you know, another 50, 60 guys with me from around the country, all, all priests that we did the training. And we uh, training. And then, you know, there's people are in spiritual need. And when it's the real deal, you know, we have to respond to it. So it's really a, a, a ministry of mercy, helping people get out of uh, their spiritual uh, problems that they're in. 
Um, and what, what was this? Excuse me for interrupting, oh, Father. Uh, but but was was this before the movie The Exorcist yeah, came no. out, or after no. the after the fact? Yeah, yeah, after, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that the movie The Exorcist kind of scared a lot of people there just yeah. to see something like that take place. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, and, and know that you went in and did something like that. I mean, was there any well, real freaky type of thing that you ever well, encountered with that? Okay, well, first of all, I just finished the training. Uh, so I, I haven't unofficially done anything yet, but um, we're in the process of uh, of assisting the official. The, there's a head guy, right, that does it. Mm. So eventually I'll be helping him uh, with, with these. But uh, before the training, I did, you know, there's no, so a, I don't believe in coincidence, so it happened for a reason. But I've seen it a couple of times, so I know what it looks like. And, uh, and because of the protection I received when you quote stumble into that. Right. And the, the, my experience and how I experienced the protection of the Lord um, for that reason, I wasn't afraid. Uh, it, now it's startling, et cetera, et cetera. And you feel and experience things that are, you know, what's evil. So you, you know, in your face, not the thought of evil or it's right there. So um, uh, because of the protection I felt, it's not any personal virtue, uh, but because of that, that's why I'm not afraid. And I says, well, if need be, I can, I can think I can do this to help people. So, um, so I was asked by leadership to maybe help. And so, yeah, so um, I haven't done anything officially yet, but, uh, but I know what it looks like. I've seen it. And. Uh, you can talk about it. Um, oh, what, what questions you have? Yeah. Well, tell us the story. Okay. Well, um, uh, Do they all look like Dan Severn? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Well, again, I'll, I'll, I'll actually ask a okay. little bit more specific question sure. on that. I right. mean, being being in in that area, uh, and when you first you know thought of, of doing going into this this area, would you say that there's? Do you think that there's more evil now in our world compared to say um, a few years back? Five years I, back, ten years yeah, back. Excuse me, I gotta see a man. Okay. All right, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, now, well, no, I I would say I don't think there's any more evil now than back at the time of Jesus. But what I think is, for the most part now, the one where the evil was hiding, it's not hiding anymore. It's in our face. I mean, just watch watch like the Academy Awards or the Grammys, and there's people out there in their routines and their musical parts. Yes, with with, with uh, overt playing for all to see satanic imagery, words, actions, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the difference now is that it's more out in the open. It's they're no, they're not hiding like they did as much as before. And, right. and because of that, I think, and then I think the world has turned in many places more pagan, uh, uh, turning away no, from. I, I, I yeah. agree with you on, on that. Yeah. Well, let me interrupt one second. Okay. I mean, sure. I'll say that technology you know, before communication was not as easy. Yeah. With each, the passion of time, technology, um, it just has grown. I mean, there, there were times back then that, you know, the newspaper or, or the telegraph, you know, they're just uh, different modes of uh, communication have, have expedited um, news and media. Now, Things can happen on the other side of the the earth, and we'll know about know about it in mere seconds mm -hmm. because someone will do a Facebook post about it, or they'll use 
this technology that we have here right now, and who knows what, what the next level of technology is going to be that's going to be even faster uh, yet. And without having guidelines to it, mm. it's easy to exploit, whether it be exploited for good mm. or exploited for bad. Yeah, that, that you're, that's true. And, and it's ready to be built because of that technology. Anyone can find all this stuff now and get into those, you know, occult type things, uh, satanic things with on their phone or on their computer at home uh, right now, instantly. So, yes. So what we've seen is an uptick of the need for um, exorcist and people in deliverance ministry, because not everything requires uh, the formal right of exorcism, meaning when a person is actually possessed. Um, some are lower stages when it's not in them, but it's bothering them from the outside. And the majority of what we do is that it's rare that someone is fully possessed, needing a, the, the formal right of exorcism. However, that being said, even though it's rare, there's an uptick in it. So that's why there's more people being trained uh, to help with that type of thing. So, so yes, there, uh, I think there's the same amount of evil that existed always, but there's, the, the, the increase in paganism and rejection of God, and then the availability at your fingertips for anyone to explore these types of things, and that readily available uh, at their fingertips on their phone or on the computer contributes to more people being curious and looking into these things at the same time, you know, uh, turning away from any uh, uh, relationship or, or belief in God and going to all these other realms. So there's, there's an uptick in it, and that's why there's more of us uh, doing this type of thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's uh, a lot of people are just looking for that instant gratification because they can see it, they can touch it, they can mm -hmm. whatever right now. And, and uh, you know, utilizing something like faith and stuff like that. Say, it, you know, I, I look at all that in the same way as how do you want to be successful? You, you, you have to pull out a piece of paper. You have to set some goals for yourself. You have to, not only do you have to set some goals for you, but you have to put in a plan of action. So again, there's a lot of similarities to everything. I mean, it's a, uh, people could be good. People could be bad. Yeah. It's, it's what you surround yourself with. It's what you do. You yeah. know, I always tell people that if you want to, you know, they, 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 I get in trouble all the time. Well, maybe you should hang out with some different people. <laughs> that, that might be a good start there for you. Just hanging out with different people, yeah. you know. But yeah. it's just like what you say before at the very beginning of that, how you've lost weight and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Did anyone tell that to you, or, or did you you just did it for yourself? You didn't. It. So everyone, there's a lot of people on Facebook right now. It's because it's it's like this. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And they're thinking, eh. you know, if you can help inspire people, knowing that I I'm just an average Joe. I wanted to lose some weight and thus I did something about it. I had to start slowly because, yeah. you know, who wants to join the gym and uh, start doing these, you know, hour and a half, two hour type workouts. No, yeah. you don't. You got to ease. It's like, yeah. I'm getting ready to go swimming right now, but I'm going to put my big toe in that water just to find out, is it cold <laughs> or yeah, is it good to jump into? Yeah. We have to definitely change things. I think, and not just, you know, going on a diet. You know, most people do diets to gain it back. So I had to change. Yeah. I had to change and uh, uh, some things. And I did it gradually. So I would, you know, I didn't want to uh, do it too fast. And then, you know, it was so gradually. And so, yeah. In fact, I want to do another ten pounds, actually. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're, well, 
at the beginning of the year, we're, we're in January. Typically, when you look at what's one of the biggest New Year's resolutions is lose weight, get in shape, because we've had October, all kinds of Halloween candy. Hmm. We've had November. We've had Thanksgiving where we're, we're gobble, gobble, gobble down. And then you go right into Christmas and New Year's where, again, you, there's probably another 10, 20,000 calories that we extra that we've been throwing in, in our body. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty easy to say, yeah, I got a little got a little chubby along the way there. So now I got to the first year. It's always that the lose some weight, get in shape in the gym industry. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, they, they, they depend upon that. Oh yeah, but they do. Yeah. Well, I'd like to ask you about, um, back to the exorcist part. You, you shared a story with me earlier the other day about this yeah. little girl. I don't know. Can you, you yeah. Yeah. I just, sharing that? yeah. I'll just tell you something. I, you know, again, uh, just, uh, something that I saw, um, that, you know, uh, by no, not knowing what was, any, anything what this was about is just again I don't believe in coincidence so I use the word I stumbled into them but it was for a reason right mm -hmm. and uh, just uh, talking to someone and you know uh, help, trying to help them as best you can and then after about 10 minutes of that um, they changed their voice and their um, you know their um, the whole demeanor the whole demeanor and their head was down and when they looked up there was no white in the eye and mm -hmm. so and then what we in our circle what color was it? all dark yeah not not completely black but it was uh like a person has dark brown eyes it was all just you know and that's I, that's impossible right yeah. <laughs> so and then the voice change and all that type of thing so and then um you know the what came out nest was not the person i was talking to so um so and then you know engaging that until we can get the official person again i wasn't trained or anything but i knew a little bit but and then so seeing that and then there's some other things that happened too with different people that i quote stumbled into and uh but feeling the again experiencing and knowing and, and feeling you know the protection of god in the midst of that uh uh i said okay well this is unpleasant and startling but i know i can do it because i know i i know who won already i know who wins and eventually this thing's going to be gone so you know and and so in the name of jesus it all is brought to uh, brought to a head and, and cast out. So, um, so, uh, so, you know, experiencing and seeing that, um, uh, I, uh, I, and then again, having mercy for and helping a person in this terrible situation. Uh, uh, that's my only thing I think about, you know, I just not, it's not um, about anything. Is there, there's nothing dramatic or entertaining about it, right? It's, yeah. Okay. In the movies, they, they use you know they scare you, entertainment and and uh, that no, it's not. There's someone in that needs God's mercy and needs God's help to get out of these chains, and so that's how I look at it and try to help. But you know that uh, experience and seeing that you just know it's like people will 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 just say, well, it, aren't those people just all crazy? Yeah. And then I always say this, um, and I, I reflected on this. So, you know, psychologists have this book called the DSM-5, and 5 just means it's the fifth edition, so they add to it, right? Yeah. It has all the mental illnesses in it with their symptoms. It doesn't say, it does it in diagnosis, it doesn't say how they treat it, but it says every mental illness under the sun and what are the, uh, what are the uh, symptoms of it, what, what, you know, what does it look like? You will not find one 
mental illness that has the following as the symptoms. And these are the things we see when someone is truly possessed, okay? Knowledge of things there's no way they could know. Or let me give you an example. Hypothetically, say I was five years old. We're in a barbecue at my grandmother's house. I run inside to use the restroom. There's the closet. I know she hangs her purse in there and there's money in her wallet. No one's in the house but me. I go in the closet, close the door. No one's in the closet with me. I take out $20. I put it in my pocket. I look out. No one's there. I use the restroom. I go back outside. The person possessed knows I did that, and they tell me. Okay. There's not one mental illness where that's one of the symptoms. Secondly, when they have knowledge and fluency in a language they never studied. For example, if someone starts speaking ancient greek and they never studied it or knew it but they're able to do that that's another sign um if they have a strength beyond their age and ability when you got a 10 year old girl that was part of satanic ritual sacrifice and 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 uh abuse etc 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 uh uh and there's five men that can't hold her down and she's flinging them around the room like rag dolls that's a third symptom. And then a, a secondary symptom, which can also be present with mental illness, is um, a disdain, aversion, hatred, disgust for anything to do with the holy. Okay. So when you see those things, that's how we know. And so, no, they're not all crazy if that's what's going on, because that's not a symptom of any mental illness, right? So when those say, oh, is, they're just all crazy, and you guys are crazy for even trying to do X. When those are the symptoms, that's how you know. Mm-hmm. And there's others. There's others that are secondary symptoms that can add up and show too. But those are the main ones that we see. So when that kind of stuff is present, that's how we know. That's how we know. Hmm. Yeah. What What about like people say like it gets cold? Is, yeah. that, is that real? Is that a real thing? Like yes. you can feel that? And- yes. There. There. The one of the first ones I stumbled into when I was first ordained was it was July. And I got my first, you know, the, the art here when you're ordained, you sometime in May or June. And then in July, you you have a couple of weeks off and you start July 1st. And it was 1130 at night in July. So in Tucson, you know how hot it is. Yeah, right. You know, it's 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 10 o'clock at night and it's 99 degrees, right? Or whatever. So and I had to go to a house because a man called and he was hysterical and all this stuff's going on. I get to the house. I go in the house and uh um, you know, they had AC on, it was probably 75 in there or so. I go in the room and there's a little girl in there and there's things flying all around the room by themselves, books and sheets and all this stuff is bounced. And it was probably, I could see my breath in that room. So, so one, wow. one of the things that happens sometimes is that temperature change when true, this evil is present, the demonic is present. That's one of the things that we sometimes see. Now it doesn't happen in every case. And all those things that can happen don't happen in every case, but sometimes that is one of like, them. Well, why, like, why would that happen? Is there a reason that you guys have well, it out? Um, I don't know the exact reason. It's just it's something that's present when the demonic is present. It could get really hot, too, as well, you know? Yeah. So it's just one of the- I mean, there's, there is that expression. They always say it'll be a cold day in hell. I mean, yeah. but does, that, does, that, does <laughs> that have something to... I'm not sure. I don't know. I think it's just an expression, but, but okay. <laughs> what's one of the things that sometimes happens, you know, that temperature change. Um, and, and in blessing, you know, I told you, like I used to get called to go bless houses and, you know, 99% of the time it, they just wanted a blessing because it's a new house or, but that 
every once in a while I'd have something like like that happen where um, I seen like you know you have knickknacks on the wall in a hallway, and if something falls down, it doesn't fly across the room and hit the other wall. Right. right. So you know, seeing things like that, so you know there's something going on here, and and usually just one blessing would would take care of that. But on occasion, one time I had to go six times until I finally got rid of it. Yeah. And uh, there's such thing as called an exorcism on a location. It's not in a person, but for okay. some reason, sometimes we don't know why, but sometimes something very simple happened to that house uh, that had nothing to do with the cult or it had to do with the occult. And so that means that demons or demons were invited there. So they have to be disinvited. If it had nothing to do, if it was the previous owners, had nothing to do with these people, but it's not gone. If it had the previous owners, if they're Catholic, they got to go to confession. They got to renounce it. And because otherwise it's still welcome. If they invite it, it's welcome. So exorcism and blessings of houses when there's crazy things like that, it's not a magic wand. If a person, hey, if they're doing a bunch of bad stuff and they're not going to stop, it doesn't matter what I are or any other exorcist does. It's invited. It's going to be. But if it has to do with those people, whether they knew about it or not, whether it was intentional or not, sometimes it's not even intentional. But once we discover the source, they have to reject it, and then we bless, and then it's gone, right? Because it's not invited; it has no claim to be there. So, um, but I, you know, uh, one time I had to do it six, and finally, I, um, I, I requested uh, from my my superiors to, because uh, we, you know, I wasn't official yet. So, but I had a request to do exorcism on location, and we we uh, we did that. And I think I went through the thing three, the right three times, and then finally it was gone. But uh, in that one, it, yeah, a lot of crazy stuff happened, you know, in that one too, uh, the manifestations and things like that. So, but then it was gone, right? Because we you know who won and who wins. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, would you like to put out some type of uh, contact information if someone is experiencing, you oh. know, a would look for a house blessing or yeah, just, uh, would... any of these types of blessings or something like that, 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 uh, or, uh, well, Wherever they or live, Dan wants buffet blessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I would just say, Father, um, Son, Holy Ghost, whoever yeah. meets the fastest gets the most. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I would just say, you know, if, if you're spiritual types of things, if you're, you know, I mean, you got to be honest, you know, sometimes it has to do with our own behaviors. And if we're doing any mortal to mortal sins of serious nature, we got to stop. And if involved in any type of occult things, stop doing that and then just call the local parish. And a lot of times, most of the time it's minor enough where a uh, simple blessings will get rid of that with, you know, if it's stuff we're doing we, with our corporation to stop doing those things, obviously. And, but if it's more severe then uh, that uh, Pat, you can call the local uh, diocese and everyone has almost every diocese has people assigned to help with these types of things to investigate it, to look into it, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's the best way because, you know, uh, Personally, I can't physically help someone, you know, that's not in my area because I don't live okay. there. But, but every area has um, uh, people designated to help with this uh, um, and these types of situations. So that would just, you know, call the local parish and start there. That's the best way to do it. So you're down in Sierra Vista, Fort Wachuga. You yeah. get a lot, of, got a lot of calls down there. Um, yeah, we get we get calls for all kinds of blessings and prayers, you know, and and the and every every uh, priest, you know, and every parish. You know, those things that kind of things come up. And again, the vast majority do not require anything other than a simple blessing in prayer. Mm -hmm. Only rarely do we, does it, you know, is there a, a, a need for more than that? 
you know, and, and, uh, but the reason why there's more, uh, priest, uh, getting training for formal things, formal, the, the, the formal, uh, right of exorcism and, and, and deliverance and ministry prayer is there's been an uptick of, of, uh, uh of request for it. And kind of like Ghostbusters, huh? Well, in, well, <laughs> yeah, so I guess you can say that, but, um, yeah, there's more, there's more things happening and, and more, uh, a request for that, that type of help. Um, and again, because of, uh, you know, like again, uh, you know, uh, people involved in occult and those types of things used to be more hidden right. now, just watch the Grammys Academy Awards, watch those types of programs and the dance routines, people with horns and devil and, and symbolism of satanic stuff in the open. They're not hiding anymore. Right. It's out in the open, you know, the access on the computer. If you want to explore those type of thing, which, you know, we shouldn't, we get playing fire. Don't even know it, but, uh, it's right. A tip it. You go on your phone, get on the computer and look all these things up and people get fascinated right. and then they might get into spiritual trouble because of it. Right. You're trapped yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But again, the main thing is all that, you know, uh, the Lord's won. The Lord wins. There might be a battle to get make these things leave, but that's the good news, right? It is the the evil one does not get the last word. Dan Dan's impervious to any kind of a you know cult or anything like that because <laughs> they require a f membership fee. You know, so, <laughs> so I'll, I'll never be involved in those cults. I will. I? <laughs> oh no, 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 you're safe. <laughs> I yeah. thought, and here I thought we were going to always get to an entire episode without going kerching. <laughs> well, I like uh, I like how you guys tease each other. That's good though. And, and no, good, no, no, it's a yeah. Uh, good friends, good friends do that, right? We tease each other. Oh, yeah, he, he, he keeps me on my toes that way. He keeps me on yeah. my toes. That's why you know I I might be going for my next career ballet because that, that keeps me on my toes that much. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> every once in a while, I, I get to cut a promo on him too, yeah. just, just to stay in shape, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess we, I, I missed my opportunity with Christmas time and becoming a part of the Nutcracker. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it happens too with friends and family. We 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 tease each other sometimes and we bust each other's chops, right? You got to, man. You got to. It's a good way of just keeping each other honest up like that. I mean, it's a. I, I like it there. I mean, it's just kind. We we see we know that we're gonna we're gonna bust each other's chops in the process right there, but we're also gonna be there for each other's back. Exactly, so, exactly, yeah. exactly, and that's that's the way you know that's good. That's good. I mean, Dan came down, you know, when I was in the hospital all the, all that time. He'd come down and visit me. You know, I mean, he gave me the gas bill. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. but at least the time was free. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But I like. I thought I was ahead of the times here, like my, my delivery Chipotle and stuff like that. As I go, on. I don't think the meal services were where even happened. I think people yeah, learned had, that from me. As I go down and I had several bites. Everyone's got the meal services things. Yeah, he <laughs> ate yeah. half of it. You know, yeah. like, well, like I, I didn't want it to be like poisonous or something like that. You know, think, you know I was thinking of you, Don. I'm just thinking yeah. of you. Every time, you every know? time somebody says that, I think of the movie Forrest Gump when he sits down at the bench and starts telling the stories and he has, you know, a box of candy for Jenny. And after all the stories and all the people he sees, when he finally gets to her house, he goes here, Jenny. And then he says, I ate some. Again, you're talking about that's a, that's a classic, that's a classic <laughs> movie that people should see. Yeah. It's uh, oh, yeah. cause it tells a lot of good stories to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
it's funny how they tie in you know, oh, yeah. presidents and all the history and oh, it. it's yeah. a funny movie yeah um, that's great very well, actually i think uh, on that note unless i mean honestly i was, I was what i was asking you about before in case anyone wanted to get in contact with you if you had any kind of like a social media if someone had any particular questions or something like that that they could ask you specifically about something i i that's why i i brought that on up there yeah and, but you said that you know you you should be know that uh depending on where they live that they yeah. they, they need to go to their local yeah, just go. It's best to go to. I mean, um, physically, I if they don't live anywhere in my area, it's hard for me to physically go okay. and help them or anything like that. Or, but that's why I said the best thing to do is, uh, you know, if they're having these any kind of issues in their home like that, or or themselves, if they're experiencing anything personally, um, to just go, you know, especially if they're Catholic, to go to the closest church and and say tell, say what's going on, and that priest will help as much as possible. Or if it's beyond that or they need something more, it's a more serious nature than that local uh, leadership who the that priest can help get it. There's someone designated to help with the more serious cases, and that's the best thing to do. And if they're in southern Arizona, um, they can just uh, – they can call me. I don't know if we put something later on there. To yeah, Tony. yeah, yeah, Tony, yeah, Tony will be able to Tony, do that yeah. towards the stuff. end of the episode. Does it start start off small, yeah. like a book falling off the shelf, uh, or do it, come and kick the door down? All the above. Yeah, it's all the above. Yeah, it's all the, I've it all the above happens. Sometimes it's like little, like uh, getting married to a woman, and then also <laughs> you know, she was crazy. You know? <laughs> I don't know. It's your, <laughs> Rob, robbed you blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not my fault. She was possessed. Act just like it's true. <laughs> God, I wonder. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could actually probably, uh, you know, uh, relate to a, a demonic uh, uh, obsession that 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 happened to me just relatively recently. And there, there's a combination of having navy bean soup and uh, followed up with the uh, <laughs> bean dip on top mm -hmm. of that. Within oh, the man. hour, I mean, yeah. I was possessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if anyone was near you, they were. They, they oh, no, I mean, <laughs> nobody was near me because of the, uh, you know, they, the, the, they were all there. watery eyed and uh, yeah, it was kind of like cloudy in the yeah. room. Don't yeah. turn his back on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll simply say that on that on that note, uh, I think that uh, Father we Mike really enjoyed the good chance to, to chat there with you. Hopefully, yeah. one day I'll actually get a chance to meet you and shake your hand. Yes, and uh, uh, unless anything else there, Mr. Fry, uh, I'll, oh, I'll simply oh, say I bid you adieu. Thank, thank you guys for having uh, me. I... <laughs> yeah. Take care. Thank you, Father. God, I thought he'd never leave. Holy <laughs> Holy <laughs> thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.